I am living a life I don't regret, a life that will resonate with my ancestors and with as many generations forward as I can imagine. I am attending to the crises of my time with my best self. I am of communities that are doing our collective best to honor our ancestors and all humans to come. This is a quote from Emergent Strategy, uh, specifically by Adrian Mary Brown, specifically from the uh, 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 chapter about my favorite element in Emergent Strategy, which is fractals. Welcome back to another week of A Movement Worker's Guide to Astrology. I'm your host, Imani. The sound is different because I'm recording with my phone because I want this to be quick. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Leo season. Happy, well, at this time it is post full moon. The full moon was at um, 100% illumination at around 11:59 a.m., which doesn't make sense because the sun is up in the United States at least, but in other parts of the world, the sun is down, right? So we have a couple different things to talk about. Um, we will talk, of course, about this amazing full moon, um, as well as a couple of different things that are happening this week. So we are having lots of astrological fun. Um, with Mercury entering uh, our good friend Leo, as well as Mars. Um, (laughs) That's not what I wanted to say, but it is what I needed to say, Um, as well as Mars entering a nice little um, square to Jupiter. Um, Towards the end of the week, we have... (sighs) I'm just thinking about all the astrologically stressful things that are about to be happening, and I'm annoyed already. Um, We have Venus entering Cancer on Friday the 7th, and then we have Lionsgate, which is not an astrological event, but it is an important event, and we're going to talk about it because it's my fucking podcast, and that's what I would like to do. Um, We're coming into a part of the year. Um that I definitely would say is when things are going to start to get stressful. Um, And we're going to start to feel a lot of pressure from a lot of different places. Um, And all of this pressure is, is in relation to us being able to, as usual, come into a, a, a deeply authentic version and expression of ourself. Um, last summer, when we were talking about Leo season, we were talking about um, a true way of being. Um, it's really weird. And I think I've said this before in how th- this fractal created um, from the beginning of the podcast has really led to these really this continued story arc and development that really just makes a lot of sense. Um, and this week, this season is no different. Um, of course, we're talking about fractals. Um, in Emergent Strategy, Fractal talks about the relationship between 
um, small and big, um, and our ability to scale up um, things. And so there have been a couple of different episodes where I've talked about fractals and just talking about fractals in relation to astrology, in relation to personal self, etc. Um, and of course, last year when I did the uh, Emergent Strategy Immersion, my group that I was a part of was fractals, team fractals. I love you all so much. Um, and all of the fractals that have emerged from, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, that interaction and that happening and that offering with those people is definitely a, a testament to the power of creating a particular pattern um, and allowing it, allowing nature um, to let it organically recreate those particular patterns, uh, that particular pattern over and over and over again, and to see how that ripples and shows, right? So the thing that's so beautiful about Leo season, as I had said, I think yesterday, yesterday was James Baldwin's birthday, the 3rd of August, and I, I talked about how the sun is a star, and I talked about how visionary Leo is, and I think the quote that I and started this with really speaks to that uh, visionary quality um, of of Leo's, and of course James Baldwin, someone who's so far ahead of his time, um, and someone that you know wasn't able to be. Uh, the full range of him, his authentic form of expression. So it's very interesting that, of course, he was born a Leo, right? Um, Being uh, a queer black man um, in the 20th century, um, being so amazing and, and pivotal to the work that we explore um, to this day and to the work that we do to find um, and seek and create, um, fulfill this prophecy of uh, black liberation and ultimately the liberation of all of us. But even then and in his pursuit of that, there were parts of him that were not able to be free, right? And so being able to kind of think about in this moment, um, there you know, I think when we think about freedom and liberation and the practice of getting there in that process, it's important to to understand that it is multi-pronged, right? And that there are certain spaces um, and parts of our lives that are not as free as others, right? Um, and I think the really great thing about Leo season, oh my God, I feel so emotional right now, is that it gives... Um, space and it gives permission for that to be real. Going back to the idea of the sun as a star. So the sun, of course, is very important to our existence, right? Everything that's on this earth is possible uh, because of this very kind of specific math. Again, think about fractals. Um, the specific math and pattern that's created between the space between the sun and the earth allows it to give life uh, to everything that exists on it, right? If the sun was to disappear, something was happened to the sun, we would cease to exist, 
So it's in this very specific place, right? And I think it's also important that when we look out and we see stars, like it's important that the sun is also a star. What does that mean? So stars exist far beyond what most of us will consciously remember, right? In the very short amount of time that we spend on earth, we will only know the earth for that amount of time, again, within this lifetime. The sun existed when we weren't here, and the sun will likely exist after we are no longer here, right? It's important to note that the sun has seen and experienced not just this moment, but it's also experienced the past. And of course, it's also experienced the future, right? But it's still the same sun. So we're still staring at and existing in front of the same sun that was present when we weren't here. And it's the same sun that will be present when we're not here anymore, right? So going back to that quote at the beginning, you know, um, in which, you know, living in, in crises and wanting to live and create a life, again, that will resonate with your ancestors, right? The past, but also will resonate with generations to come. That's exactly what the sun does, right? It provides life for things that we cannot see and fathom, right? The thing about a star, um, although it is literally so many trillions of miles away from us is that at it being trillions of miles away it's also so many years into the future right so when we look at a star we are literally looking at the future so when we're looking at the sun we are also looking at the future it's just a future that's a lot closer to us right it's within our reach it's within our lifetime that we're able to experience that so think about all of that um, potential energy and power that we each possess, right? We all are our own sun in some sort of way. And I don't think Leos get the love uh, or respect uh, that they deserve. Um, archetypally, I feel like people minimize Leos to being extra and dramatic, um, but their existence is truly prophetic um, and again, visionary, prophecy fulfilling, prophecy sharing, um, just through their existence. And that is incredibly powerful. And they are a constant reminder to us of how important it is for us to stand within ourselves. So to kind of talk about this, you know, we think about a true way of being and we think about this, talk about authenticity and performance um, of self right? You can't perform the function of the sun. You either are it, you are shining that light, or you're not, right? We know the difference between artificial light and true light. Um, so being able to, to find and stand in that in for yourself, and so being able to lean into the spaces where you need to find and seek a little bit more freedom. We're having a full sturgeon moon. So what is a sturgeon? Um, it's this really gross looking fish. <laughs> it does look gross. Um, this really gross fish that's 
huge um, and it can be found um, at this time of year. It's usually um, caught um, in like the Great Lakes uh, during this time of year. And so like the really amazing and fantastic thing um, about this fish is that it is very prehistoric looking, right? Um, And that it's said to have been around for the last 136 million years. And they can live up to about 150 years. Whoa! Isn't that wild? Doesn't that sound like the sun? This moon is also called the moon when all things ripen because it's the first, uh, it's the last full moon before the harvest season, which is Virgo season. So it is a really beautiful and amazing culmination cycle Um, I think where we come into awareness of, to speak in perspective of freedom, like how free we are or how free we are not, um, to authentically step, to step into the most authentic form of self. I think the most difficult thing about the Leo, the Leo Aquarius accent axis, and I feel like I say this every year, is being able to balance like than your individual needs versus those of community, those of collective. But I think the thing about the Aquarius moon is that it's so, uh, again, to quote um, six of Black Women Cry on Instagram, the Aquarian curse, you know, or not curse, but the Aquarian karma is that they are so much tied to the past, right? And we've talked about this when we've been talking about Saturn moving into Aquarius and moving back into Capricorn. It illustrates it perfectly where there is this tie, this connection to the past that has to be acknowledged in order to be very forward moving, right? So there's this idea with the moon in Aquarius where we're like, look, you know, this is what we need. This is what it looks like to progress. This is what it looks like to move forward. But there is also this part of us of the past that is still deeply connected and entrenched to some sort of system, structure, or tradition that makes that leap forward this uh, it's very like the fool kind of like energy and, and the, the risk and the progressiveness and the futurism that we seek and that we want to embody, right? Which makes it really hard um, and, and, and adds an air of, of limitation, struggle, and, and frustration. And so some of these frustrations definitely... Um, come through and are possible through the communication that we're having with people, um, through the ideas that we're sharing, through the things that we're thinking, through what's happening within our minds. And I say this because Saturn right now is opposite 
Mercury. A lot of the things that we're coming into awareness about right now, especially the ways in which I think we may feel underqualified or or at least the past has made us feel underqualified or like we don't know enough or we feel this kind of like very strong push to move forward without really being able to kind of make completely make sense of things um i it's it's this and i think one of the important things to kind of note is that there still is so much we don't yet know um there's so much perspective that we are lacking right now that does require us to to slow down and so while it's like i want to move I want to move forward and I want to move forward very quickly. So much of the sky is like, well, there's so much that has to be integrated and understood um, before we do that. And I have some very difficult and hard questions for, for you to answer before you do that. So again, there is this, I want to go there and I want to go there now. I want to get there and I want to be free now. But it's like being able to see the the traditions of the past one that have to be um, integrated um, into the present to make this future seem possible. And I think a part of it is a bit of frustration um, that we may feel, especially with Moon and Aquarius. Moon and Aquarius is not necessarily known for being the most emotionally uh expressive right and it's the detachment um the detachment this is you know we've talked about detachment versus non-attachment before and we'll have that conversation right now it's the detachment from what one feels and from one's past that ends up being the thing that holds you back, right? And so there is this need, ultimately, not based on what is in the chart, but based on what isn't in the chart, to be very present with what it is that we're feeling. Um, But that isn't necessarily understood because we just see that there's a place that we're trying to go to and there's a way that we're trying to show up in the world uh, and there's a way that we're trying to embody ourselves right and so like it's important to note that there's this part where it's like well I'm trying to be myself but you may kind of find yourself over these days wherever this is lying in your chart where you're kind of ruminating um, or thinking you know a lot about how this particular area of your life how it can be you know different and how it can evolve um, and and what's the next best thing um, in this particular area of your life. But there is this inability to look back. And I think when you look back, there's an opportunity to see that there are some deep-seated patterns um, and traditions and structures that stand within your life that make it very difficult for you to embody what it is that you need for the future. And whatever is happening in our Leo house is a space of illumination and is a place that we're being called to 
to embrace a sense of freedom and possibility and fun and excitement. Um, and it is also, you know, Leo season is so much about the inner child. I think what makes it difficult when we're at that Leo Saturn, Leo Aquarius access, when we're dealing with inner child versus society versus community uh, versus parental figure, it can be very difficult um, to want to hear and understand what that version of ourselves needs to feel free because so much of our programming as adults tells us that things are not possible, right? And so I think it, it's an energy that really shows us that it is truly about taking it a step at a time and not really trying to push um, things to change um, because naturally some of these things are going to change for us. So part of that is, um, and you may have noticed some sort of surprise <laughs> or some sort of chaos. I think it depends because we do have a T-square to Uranus in Taurus. Uranus in Taurus is is really deeply questioning us um, about what it is that we value and what is valuable. It's really deeply questioning us about our relationship to money, our relationship to our self-esteem, our relationship to our appearance, to our income, to all of the things that we utilize to secure and stabilize ourselves. And it's saying, if these are the things that you value, what are you willing to tear apart? What are you willing to tear down? What are you willing to... um bring around right so again when it comes to surprises there maybe have been some surprise expenses or maybe even you know if you're lucky like me some surprise money um or just a a breakdown of something that maybe you had depended on um and thought would be a lot more sustainable um or stable than it is right now and it forces your hand or adds a certain amount of pressure in terms of, again, what you feel is possible for your future, right? Which is what we're talking about with the sun. And also it adds that stress of like, well, you know, I have to do this particular thing for this group of people or I need to move towards this direction. So it's very interesting because both Leo and Aquarius are trying to move towards the future. Um, and the sun in Leo tries to move towards the future in the most embodied and personal way possible, right? Which can be a little bit uncomfortable um, and very in your face. Whereas the moon in Aquarius is trying to move towards the future um, in a way that is a, less, a little bit less detached, right? And I think the, the Taurus part um, puts in perspective for us that it's, it's very difficult to really, one, only care about ourselves, but two, also not to care about other people. Because I think that's what the kind of issue is here. And I don't say it in that way, but it's like a how do I want to say this? It's like, uh, let me give an example. So like, if we think about 
y'all is 1018 just keep that in mind okay if we're in a space I'll you know what I'm gonna use myself as an example so this is happening in my 10th house my fourth house and my set oh interesting cool and in my seventh house so there are lots of opportunities and surprises that I've had in terms of ways to in you know be in relationship with other people and in relationship to the wider world and so it does open up an enormous amount of possibilities right but those possibilities do require some immediate sacrifice so the thing with the sun you know square uh uranus especially with the sun in leo and uranus in uh taurus is that it is this very kind of like radical very visionary again forward thinking um energy that we have and it's also is some one in which it wants to kind of break the rules again the taurus leo energy is always about wanting to have your cake and eat it too and so it's kind of knowing that okay if if this is something that you value and this is important in the interim your stability in some way or another um and what you're grounded in is incredibly important but also may need to to radically shift or change so that you're able to embody what it is that you're moving towards right so and then on the other end we have moon square uranus and so the the marker of where we're trying to land or what direction we're trying to go may kind of shift or move a lot um without any again i guess kind of stabilization so what that square does is it really kind of because it is a mix of earth and air is it calls us to look at the bigger perspective right the issue lots of times with Aquarian um, placements is that they can kind of be stuck within the mind and not necessarily ground what they're thinking in anything. And I think the the really important part here, we can kind of look at, um, because Taurus works really well in the position of the moon, right? Um, and within modern astrology, uh, Aquarius works really well in the sign in the planet um uranus and so it is you know this kind of rapid fire kind of quick changing you know energy and i feel like this uranus and taurus is like whoa 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 like let's let's reel it in and let's really think about what's important so you may kind of find yourself you know maybe thinking way too far ahead um of of where you need to be and not allowing space for there to be the process to even get there, right? Um, and moving the marker a lot emotionally without doing the, your, I guess, due diligence of taking the time to do the internal work that's necessary to be able to get to uh, this place um, that you feel um, that is a place that you're headed towards, but does require, again, an, a level of integration in, and a kind of dose of, of reality in which you're not too lost in this vision of the future, that you're forgetting about 
the parts of the past that need to be resolved to get there. So it is this kind of coming into, I think it, it breeds a lot of kind of internal chaos um, for me because I don't talk to a lot of people. <laughs> Full moons have been very deeply internal processes rather than very external ones. And so it, I, the biggest thing that I would say is slow down. Um, and not slow down as in you don't need to move into the direction that you can feel yourself being called into, but slow down so that you don't miss the steps of the process and so that you can really, again, find your footing um, and awareness of, of what matters in the grand scheme of things and what doesn't, right? The thing about um, this this T-square and this pressure that we feel to shift and change um, and affirm our value systems by uprooting or creating some sense of chaos within our life um, or chaos that has arrived within our life is also really about us being able to see, you know, if we're going, trying to uh, alleviate the tension that exists within the T-square, we're moving into the sign of Scorpio, right? And so looking at Scorpio, um, it's about diving deep um, and investigating, right? So that means that there are more questions that we need to ask ourselves, right? If we find that this energy is integrating really well and we can find a way to um, utilize and order some of the chaos that is kind of emerging around us and in our environment, then we have an opportunity to ask more questions and to investigate and to really make sure that the decisions and the vision that we kind of see for ourselves again, is, is truly in alignment um, with uh, this vision um, or authenticity that we're creating to embody a sense of freedom, not just for ourselves, uh, but ultimately for other people as well. And so there is, I think, if you see that there, this is resulting in some sort of breakdown um, or, or break up in some particular area of your life, again, it is an opportunity to ask more questions and become a deep seeker. I think it's a big question of like, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to that makes this vision very um, difficult um, to take on and move towards? Especially, again, when it comes to inner child things that we're still holding on to. Another part of the chart that's incredibly important is that Mercury-Saturn opposition. So it's the, this is one of my favorite aspects. Um, it's the, the voice of authority. Um, I was reading Alice Sparkly Cat's um, Money Magic, Etymologies of Saturn and the Moon. And they were talking about how Saturn is not itself is not authority, but it's what we give authority to. And so a really big part of, you know, this vision and the direction that we're kind of going in is this sense of importance um, that we place maybe on particular ideologies, particular structures, particular ways of doing things, a particular way of your future looking. I think that's also one of those limitations <laughs> to this um, this moon and Aquarius energy is, is this part right here where it's like, 
all of the past um, that we're kind of holding on to. And this vision of the future is one that gets us, mm, okay, this makes sense, is that's getting us trapped in a pattern that may have us repeating the exact same thing that we were already trying to avoid. So again, it's important and it's time to ask questions and about what is important for you um, to, to move forward and to move towards this vision that you have for yourself. What are the pieces and parts that need to be discarded? I think there's a, a really big, um, to me, it feels like a warning about potentially being uh, spent um, or using up way too much energy that you don't have. Another part of that is Mars square Jupiter. So, you know, so much in the chart is like, I want to go and 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 I need to go now. And oh my gosh, this thing is falling apart. And it's like, yes, it is. But like, it's time to ask questions. It's time to get still, right? I started to write this newsletter that I'm probably not going to send out. Um, It was about going. Go dash ing um for those who read the new moon in cancer um newsletter i was talking about reasons not to go reasons to go blah 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 um the whole kind of idea is like you know we're we're clearly all individually and collectively moving towards something and there's so many reasons not to do that right and and so much of it again is about the past so again it's the same story that we're experiencing in different signs in relation to this sun moon saturn story arc that also was present um in that new moon in cancer and so this time you know the sun is in fire so it's ready to go it feels really inspired. It wants to shine very brightly, but it's like, hey, it's time to get real. It, it's it's time to get real about what we give authority to and how that uh, shapes our vision and our goals that we have for ourselves. And again, realizing how much of what we envision for our future really is just going to keep us tied up in the past. So if there are things that you feel kind of trapped and stuck on doing um, or people that you feel stuck on being with um, it is an opportunity to kind of see like where am I actively recreating a, a pattern within my life that does not create the freedom that I that I desire right and and for some of it it is on a very subconscious level that we have to be willing to explore that so give yourself the time I think when we reach um, Mercury retrograde in Scorpio, it will make it a lot more clear for us. Let me go ahead and look at these Chandra symbols. So we're looking at 12 degrees Leo. An evening party of adults on a lawn illumined by fancy lanterns group relaxation in fashionable surroundings as an escape from work routine. 
While the preceding symbol dealt with the simple and spontaneous pleasure of child, this one refers to more or less standardized or fashion-dictated relaxation of adults who have left behind their day's work and exchanging pleasantries and gossip. The lawn and lanterns are cultivated. The type of mind displaying in the animated conversation stimulated by liquor is thoroughly socialized and not always innocent. The great tradition has become reduced to mere social fashion. The second stage symbol contrasts with the first phase, with that of the first phase. We have now reached a stage of sophistication and involvement in externals and superficial intellectuality or wit. So again, going back to the idea of like, why is it that we want the things that we want? Are we seeking something, again, when it comes to performance in Leo, some sort of external validation? Um, are we seeking these things, you know, uh, you know, they talked about, you know, when we think about like the work culture that we have that exists, um, and life becoming about being able to maintain or, or create a sense of escapism, um, from everyday life. And that being the only space in which joy um, and pleasure can be experienced in a very superficial way, right? And again, it, it being very artificial, artificial light versus real light, right? What is it that we're doing to create um, and embody a light for ourselves that isn't just about escaping um, from routine, but being in a space of embodiment and truly being able to have what it is that we want um, out of life and for ourselves. I swear this made so much more sense in my mind when I was in the shower than it did (laughs) when I'm saying it right now. Anyway, Aquarius told degrees, on a vast staircase stand, people of different types graduated upward. The necessity of recognizing differences of types and levels of development where human beings can live and work, wherever human beings can live and work together. This symbol consciously refers to the ascending process of evolution of life forms and consciousness. It seems to apply especially to the fact that differences of levels exist among human beings. The ideal of equalitarianism has to be balanced by a realization that hierarchy of levels is a fact of nature. Each person should be aware of the level at which he or she stands, even as he strives to move toward a higher one. He should look up for inspiration and examples for helping the human beings of the lower level to reach up. This is the great give and take of evolution. It applies to social cultural evolution as well as to the progression of biological species. Every human being, I'm skipping ahead, must Every human being is potentially divine as an individual person, but the natural progression of states of consciousness is an unavoidable reality to accept the social mental level. One of the things about Aquarians and when planets are in Aquarius signs, um, in the sign of Aquarius, is that there is this stubbornness of the mind, right? And there is this adherence to sometimes 
um, a particular source um, or pattern of information. And while it is important to have stability of mind and thought, um, to do so in a way that is limiting and excludes other possibilities is where we keep ourselves stuck. One of the phrases that's kind of been popping up in my mind over the last couple of days is standing on the shoulders of giants. And so it's having to kind of remember that there are other people who have done this before. Um, (laughs) And that there's guidance that they can provide. I think it kind of shows that while you do stand on your own, you also have to be willing to understand when it's time to take the advice um, of other people and this awareness that you don't know everything. And so that honestly seems like it will be a, a theme. And I think it's important to also note like who whose voices are you giving authority to and what other voices um, can be brought into perspective for you to expand your point of view um, and your worldview and your personal evolution and being able to see within your life where the the sources of information and spaces in which you found people to be experts or have some sort of um, valid or valuable information to share how that has kind of um, been limited right and how that is again based on traditions around what information is important what information is seemed as seems to be forward thinking and forward moving and what information has been told has you've been told is not right again investigative it's time to ask more questions i'm gonna take a quick break I need to drink water and then we're going to speed through the next couple of things so that this episode is not more than an hour and 30 minutes long because it already seems like it's about to be long. Okay. All right, y'all. Moving forward to the fourth, we have Mercury entering Leo. Okay. Whenever... Mercury enters, uh, this is my personal opinion, not my astrological, okay, I guess they both kind of are related. Whenever Mercury enters a fire sign, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, um, (laughs) because I just can't. So, it's going to be important to, I'll say this. A lot of voices that you hear will be the voice of the inner child. Okay? And that is both a good thing because it speaks from a very pure and innocent place, but also it can be a difficult thing um, because, of course, with everyone, there are lots of inner child wounds that people experience. It will be very important, as Mercury is in Leo, for us to remember that we do not exist in a vacuum and that we are not the only person who has opinions, thoughts, ideas, a brain, a mind, or skills to offer or to share. It is an energy in which I think collectively we have a bit of an issue with 
um, the Leo energy because we live in such an individualist society. So I think the really the important thing to, to center um, and to come back into perspective is about is the fact that um, again, we do not exist in a vacuum. So remembering that somebody having opinions um, or thoughts or a way of existing that is different from you does not invalidate your existence. And I say that in a way of not trying to put out other people's fire, but also not minimizing your own as well. I think Mercury and Leo will put in perspective what is your relationship to your own personal fire, seeing how much you minimize um, or brighten it, um, how much you attempt to outshine others, also how much you attempt to diminish yourself um, will truly be put in perspective. There are no... Looking at the chart, there aren't really any aspects to, to, um, any aspects to, um, well, what am I trying to say? To Mercury that are specific. Of course, Mercury has just left the opposition to all those planets in Capricorn. But now we have this Mercury, um, in Leo, um, speaking to our North Node. So it is really going to be about retooling um, our inner gifts, um, our purpose, um, and the way that we demonstrate our sense of authenticity. And again, going back to the idea of not existing in a vacuum, uh, one of the things that seems to be very important over the last couple of days and will likely continue to be important as God, as Mercury um, enters um, Virgo towards the end of the month, is remembering that words mean things, right? Mercury is all about words, the things that we say, the things that we think, and and about our attitude as well. Um, And so it is a really great time, I think, to to come into a space where you create a, a practice, if you don't have one already, of being very affirming of yourself. I think the important thing, again, is not getting so lost within yourselves um, or where you're, especially of where you're not um, or where you are, who you think you are, to the point, again, where you're minimizing yourself or you are not leaving enough room for other people. Um, And so putting into perspective, kind of like thinking about how much space you take up with your voice. Um, is going to be something that I find um, will likely be very important as Mercury travels through Leo up until the 19th. So this is going to be very quick. Before we know it, it's going to be in Virgo. Then on on that same day, which is tomorrow, um, we also have a really fun square between Mars and Jupiter. And so again, it is this chasing of a vision um, and chasing of a particular direction that we're going into. 
I think what's important to note about Jupiter when it's sitting in Capricorn, and it is retrograde, um, Jupiter is in um, fall when it is in Capricorn. So in a sense, it's like being in a space where you're kind of just asked to figure it out, right? So in this very structured and rigid way um, of building things, right, we're, we're being asked to expand. So like we're literally, you know, in, in this moment in time, collectively, there are so many restraints around us, but we're also in a space in which we know and feel that we need to be moving forward towards the future. And so the the part that is is difficult about that, again, this Mars and Aries energy is like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. And Jupiter in Capricorn is like, yes, growing, we need to grow, we need to expand. But, you know, how much time do we have? How much space do we have? How much How much resources do we have? How much energy do we have? How are we going to have the longevity um, to fulfill some of these things that we feel called to do and called to embody, right? Mars and Aries is not really trying to hear that. But I think it's important to put in perspective that Mars is in its shadow period right now. So it is slowing down. So what you're going to find is that all of this shit that you're interested in moving forward in in some way or another you're going to come back across it right and you're going to be slowed down because you're it's it's going to put in perspective for you again and again what limitations um exist in your vision and i think what's really important with jupiter in capricorn is that we'll come to understand that we couldn't see as far as we thought we could, right? So just know that. So there is this pressure and this desire to to move forward, feeling inspired again, but I think it is going back to what are your values? What questions do you need to ask? Which ways do you need to be a lot more investigative um, and explore um, what's going on with you, especially emotionally, um, that you need to let go of? Um, that's going to uh, attachments <laughs> that you need to let go of so that you can move towards this vision in the most embodied way possible. And I think it's it's really funny that like the Scorpio energy is kind of left out because it's a bit of like a doubter, right? Where it's like, hey, everyone, like there's some dark shit here. And all of the other planets, the other fixed signs are like, dude, are you serious? Like, do we, do we really have to do that brooding, reflecting on our past and being entrapped in what we feel? And it's like, well, it's there anyway, so we might as well explore it. Then on the 7th, we have Venus entering Cancer. Oh my gosh, I'm very excited about this one. So Venus is going to be in Cancer. All the way up until, hold on a second, the 6th of September. And so it is truly about how care, nurturing, bonding exists within our relationships, within our interpersonal relationships. 
and what that truly means. So of course, you know, it is the Cancerian archetype is related deeply to mothering. I think it's really important to note that there is an an air of enabling that Venus can do when it's in Cancer. There's an air of enabling that Venus can do, period, right? Um, Because it's very receptive. It's just like, okay, well, like you do that. But when we think about this in terms of like caring, right, we may feel like we really have to extend ourselves to someone to demonstrate that we care. There may be an inability to maintain healthy boundaries, um, especially when you're trying to bond um, with someone uh, that, again, creates creates this unhealthy um, and codependent um, type of relationship rather than one, than one that thinks about care in a very, um, I, I guess, a, a more realistic form and way. We have to really think about what it means to care for people and what that truly looks like. It also can be that we use the idea that we care as a crutch to why we continue to interact with someone, right? Um, Where there may be a lot of boundaries and emotional walls that we have put up or a passive aggressiveness that we may express towards people that we are in relationship with because there is like well I care about this person or I have this bond with them that means that I just have to stick through it just because right and so this is enabling in both senses of that and so it comes into it it brings into question like what does it truly mean to care for people and what does it mean to nurture people what boundaries need to be set up Um, in terms of where we start and end um, emotionally, um, what we're able to do for people so that we can demonstrate and have healthy um, depictions of, of, of care within our relationships, right? One of the things that I listened to the other week, um, and I'll put this in the description box, was from the Allied Media Conference, the um, Care for the Future plenary was so great. Um, This is a really great time. Uh, It it talked about care. Um, The really amazing Lee Lakshmi, I can't, I'm not going to mess up her entire name. Um, But she was talking about you know, in disability justice and what kind of care means um, and how care is, is difficult and being in community with people is very difficult, right? It's not this, you know, fantasy or kind of like sanitized thing that we talk about, right? This is definitely one of the words that we throw around loosely in our society without necessarily knowing what it means. And so here it comes into perspective what needs to be integrated from the opposite side, Capricorn, um, to truly embody care in a way that is not enabling or codependent, right? If you care about someone, you're going to be willing to hold them accountable. If you care about someone, you're going to understand that their emotional state is not always what you want it to be. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that there can't be boundaries of how people talk to each other or how they treat each other um, when they're in particular states of being. And it also shows that care is not, uh, you know, it can't be quantified. Care cannot be in relation to disposability. We care for someone until they're disposable. Like that's one of the big things about disability justice and especially about during this time where we're having a global pandemic um, where people can't seem, you know, we, we listen to the way that people talk about like, oh, well, the disease or not the disease, the virus, it only kills this certain amount of people. So we shouldn't do this because most of us aren't going to die. You know, most of us aren't going to get it. You know, the, this whole idea around care um, or even people talking about how they're not responsible for other people's well-being, right? So it will really highlight to us what our relationship to care is like, where it needs to be deepened, where we are not accountable enough to other people. Um, so I think another element of it is emotional selfishness, right? Where it's like, well, I'm a nice person and I care and I this. So like, why can't, you know, in this way in which we enable ourselves emotionally as well. Um, it is a great time to to commune and and come into community with people that we feel connected to um, on a deep, I guess, ancestral and very rooted level. So it is a a great time of coming together, I would say, with chosen family. It is definitely a time of, and I think we'll see this in the mainstream, of course, because of what our Congress has not done, um, that it's another really great time for mutual aid, right? How do we demonstrate care for people and what are the things that they need, right? When we think about taking care of someone, specifically at the end of life, right? Um, There, you know, the money, time, and energy that we pour into someone, let's say that's on hospice, isn't because we know that they're going to live because they're not, right? It's because there is a certain amount of care and comfort that that person deserves, because we see their humanity, right? So it's about making the process of transitioning um, out of this life and into the afterlife as comfortable as possible, right? There is no, you know, that's all that is truly about, you know, and that can't be necessarily weighed or quantified in any particular way that's a value to people or, you know, in terms of like monetary value, right? I mean, we can even argue that that's not true because everything is commodified within our society, right? But it's like, we we do that because we care, right? I'm spending money, time, energy on your well-being at the end of your life because I care. So what if we are to embody this practice in everything that we do and we're able to meet people where they are and that not be an excuse for the way that they they show up if they're not treating us the way that we... um, deserve to be treated, but then that shows us an opportunity to, to demonstrate, uh, or not demonstrate, well, yes, to, to test out and put up um, emotional boundaries and extend an opportunity to say, hey, you know, I care, but like, I also 
deserve to be cared for too, right? So this is not just so much about what we give, 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 but it's also about what we receive. So I think being able to to capture that that balance, um, that balance um, and that wave of give and take um, emotionally um, to demonstrate care um, and to help foster a, a deepening of bonds with other people is going to be very important during the Venus in Cancer transit. Okay, I'm going to take one more break, and then I'm going to come back. I'm going to finish this damn podcast. And, yeah. Okay. Hey there. You're listening to the Movement Worker's Guide to Astrology to help support the production of this podcast and its creator, yours truly, I invite you to make a sustaining donation to my PayPal or book a reading. All proceeds go towards equipment, software, and an occasional workshop to enhance your listening experience. All of that information can be found in the description box. Thanks for listening. All right, I'm back. And we're talking about Lionsgate, which is on a Saturday. Um, I cast the chart for noon. Um... And I guess to kind of talk about, I said I wasn't going to send this newsletter, but I'm going to read it. I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to share some of the things that I put in it. So Amanda Ellis um, published this video um, that I've yet to finish about this in-between time leading up to Lionsgate and she was talking about running towards yourself. And I think I've so been so fixated on getting this ep- so fixated on getting this episode done that I've um missed the point which demonstrates the point that I was making at the very beginning about the full moon jokes on me. That's the most important thing, right? Especially when we're talking about fractals and artificial light versus like sunlight. Running towards yourself. All of the decisions and everything that you're running towards and everything that you have to be moving towards has to be you. It can't be something outside of you even though ultimately it will feed things outside of you, that's not what matters, right? We're talking about, to kind of go back to this full moon energy, like, this is what the world needs, this is what society needs, and da 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 and it's like, yeah, people know that, you know? And there are lots of people who can give you guidance and instruction, but the subject matter expert on your life and the direction that you're moving into and that you're supposed to be embodying is you. And I think this next couple of months will be this fight in which we have to realize that. You know, there you know, the next couple of months, the rest of the year is about to be very stressful. 
And it's going to be very stressful because there's going to be so many things happening outside of us that push our buttons and make us feel impatient and make us forget that we're supposed to be running towards ourselves. And it will show us how much outside of us controls our ability to run towards ourselves, and ultimately the ways that we run away from our own personal freedom. So I didn't finish watching the video, but I'm going to post it in the description box so that you can watch it. I didn't want to finish watching it because I knew that I had to do this episode and that it would be important. This idea of running towards yourself, you will never be able to arrive at some external destination that will show you that you're there. You have to be there. You have to arrive in a sense inside. Um, Amanda was talking about taking a pilgrimage towards yourself. And it was is very funny that she said that because as we know last week, um, for those of the um, Muslim faith tradition, um, lots of people, well not lots, I think they only allowed like maybe like less than 2,000 people um, into Saudi Arabia to the Mecca um, for Hajj um, or the pilgrimage. And it was really interesting to me because, oh, let me not be that person who messes up words. I'm going to Google it so I know how to say it correctly. Kaaba. Kaaba. <laughs> okay, anyway, which is this, the cube <laughs> in the middle of uh, the, the cube that people circle, right? It is uh, the house of God, the house of Allah. Right, it's where God resides. And when you think about the symbolism, this is gonna be crazy. The symbolism of cubes, I'm not crazy, it's gonna be wild. I need to stop using that word. Um the cube, um, when you unfold a cube, it forms a cross. So as we know in the Muslim world, they are truly in their sacred geometry bag, right? Like they know what they're doing. We were talking about fractals earlier. Woo, it's all tying together, right? And so this, the cube, you know, and Kaaba, um, it is the place where God resides. And when we think about where God resides um, in each of us, uh, it is in the heart, right? And so when we ask the question, what is Lionsgate? It, it is a heart activation. It is a, an opportunity to run towards your heart, right? Um, to walk the heart's path. 
as it is described. Um, to take the pilgrimage to your heart and ultimately to a place in which you embody God and you embody your mission and, and the reason that you're here, right? And so all of this, you know, of course, this full moon energy externalizes and makes us feel this pressure to move towards this future. And while that is important, and that's something that we'll revisit in the sometime during the next couple of months, it's really important right now that we're able to turn into ourselves and turn into ourselves completely and arrive in our hearts. What was really interesting to me about the cube and uh, the is, of course, when we're thinking about the heart and we're thinking about heart activations, I'm thinking about the Merkaba, right? I'm thinking about Metatron's cube. All of the, you know, I'm like, duh, 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 duh. Like, of course, all of these things are connected. And, and of course, this symbolic, you know, pilgrimage that people take within their faith tradition is a fractal of so many other ways that we're able to embody this same practice and pilgrimage in our own particular lives, right? It's the one thing that every Muslim must do um, in their lifetime if they're able-bodied, right? And able to do so. And ultimately within life, the only thing that we're really here to do is to live through our hearts, right? Um, and live through the God-embodied self. And so this is a moment in the year in which we're able to recalibrate and move towards that space. On Sunday, um, the moon will be in Aries. So this is a really intense and beautiful fiery day in which we feel impassioned. We feel enlivened and we feel ready um, to move and to to move forward with with great conviction um, towards what it is that we believe in. So it is a disseminating moon, which is a waning gibbous. So it is about the dispersal and sharing of information. It's very beautiful because the energy is very kind of like prophetic and sharing. So I think it's a day to listen very deeply. Um, not only to yourself, but also to people outside of you as well. I think there's a lot of wisdom and information sharing um, that we'll be engaging in with each other on a very um, subconscious uh, level. So it's an important day to be very um, clear uh, mentally as you can, as mentally clear as you can. Mercury is going to be uh, square Uranus, so there is a bit of erraticness and kind of chaos in terms of downloads and information that's coming in. It can be very difficult maybe to integrate or carry some of the heaviness um, uh, of the information that kind of comes your way. It also may be a day in which you just feel a lot of anxiety um, and mental um, uh, pressure um, or having a lot of like racing thoughts or feeling like you're kind of all over the place 
So again, it is a day to also, I'd say, embrace stillness um, and a day to find a sense of peace. Again, I think the listening process has to be a deep and internal listening one. And it's one in which you can't expect to have everything figured out um, or understood because we don't need to. But I think being able to set the intention of walking um, or continuing to walk uh, the heart's path and be within that space of the open and receptive heart um, is incredibly important. If over the last couple of weeks um, you've had a lot of, and I, I, please take this with a grain of salt, um, lots of times when there are heart chakra activations, um, there can be lots of heart pain that we feel. We're feeling just very emotionally drained um, or feeling overwhelmed by sadness. I think this is a day in which um, there is an air um, of positivity um, that we feel, especially because there's so much fire in the sky. Um, and I think, again, and it, and it makes us feel very purposeful and it makes us feel the sense of importance. And even if you're not able to connect with words, you know, there's not a lot of air in the sky, um, to what that actually means or for that to be put into motion in some tangible way, I think it's just very beautiful and important to hold that vibration um, in whatever way it is that you can. Hopefully the sun is out so people can get some sun. The moon is going to be in a loose um, separating conjunction to Chiron. So there is this, again, because of the spaces that we've come from and the ways that we fought, um, I think there is this kind of heaviness that seems to kind of weigh on our hearts and inspires this direction or this desire to go into this particular direction because of the wounds that we face around our identity, because the wounds that we experience around um, our anger and frustration around, you know, what happens to us personally, but also what happens to other people, um, provides an opportunity for us to cultivate a sense of, I think, not just empathy for other people, but uh, an empathy um, for yourself um, and to be in a softness that will likely feel emotionally. And so really just leaning into that um, in, in a way that you can. Again, Venus is in Cancer. So thinking about care, thinking about the community of care that you fostered. Um, who are the people that can support you? Um, who are the people that can hold space for you? Who are the people that you can hold space for um, as you experience this energy? Alrighty, I'm done. I am feeling very hypercritical of this podcast episode for a number of reasons. I have moved, um, and so in, in all transparency, it is just very difficult to, um, to record 
in a space that's just not a space that I'm used to recording in. So I think that's also why a lot of the episodes have been delayed because I just don't want to record because I do not completely feel comfortable in this space. So that's, you know, my own personal demon that I'm dealing with um, and figuring out as I'm trying to produce this podcast um, to apologize if things are kind of scattered or didn't really make a lot of sense because quite honestly, that's how they feel in my own mind as well. Um, We'll be back next week, I promise. I don't know what we're going to talk about the quarter moon and maybe some other stuff but for now you have a great rest of your week happy full moon happy lionscape and talk to you soon so i as i said before this is recorded into my phone so i don't have the ability to edit the audio um so this message is going to be very counter to the end of what you just heard I need a break um I will be back the week after next to talk about the Leo full moon not I'm sorry Leo new moon um but yeah there will not be an episode next week um and there will likely be delays for the remainder of the month in the middle of my own life transitioning process And I would like to honor that uh, by being able to get as much rest and do as little work as possible. Um, So definitely, I thank you for respecting that or understanding that. I will talk to you all in two weeks.